This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Are your twins ready to move out of diapers? Are you excited and anxious at the thought of training two at the same time? I'm Dr. Deborah Pontillo, pediatric psychologist and expert in child development, behavior, and learning. I'm here to talk about potty training twins. The ultrasound shows your babies to be healthy. What? Did you say babies? You're huge. Are you having twins? Are they natural? Which one do you like better? Twins, huh? My neighbor's cousin's brother's uncle's a twin. So can they read each other's minds? How do you tell them apart? Twins? You got a two for one. Do twins run in your family? Double trouble. You're not having any more, are you? At least you're not Octomom. If you're pregnant with twins or you're an experienced twin parent, odds are you've heard it all before. Now it's time to hear from the experts. This is Twin Talks, Parenting Times 2. Welcome to Twin Talks. We're broadcasting live from the Birth Education Center of San Diego. Twin Talks is your weekly online, on-the-go support group for expecting and new parents of twins. So I'm your host, Christine Stewart Fitzgerald. Have you heard about the Twin Talks Club? I hope so. Our members get bonus content after each new show, plus we have special giveaways and discounts. So you can subscribe to our monthly Twin Talks newsletter and learn about the latest episodes available. And then another way for you to stay connected is by downloading our free Twin Talks app. It's available on the Android and the iTunes marketplace. So before we get started, let's do a quick introduction um, of our panelists um, here on the show. I'm going to turn over to uh, Shelly. Hi, I'm Shelly. I'm 30. Um, I'm the producer here at Twin Talks, and I'm also a high school history teacher. And I have identical twin boys who are just about a year and a half. Um, so yeah, we've definitely been thinking about potty training, but not doing anything at all about it. <laughs> Yes. I'm Sunny, and I have identical twin girls who are two and a half months, I guess now. And I have two older boys, a three-year-old and a 21-month-old. And um, the three-year-old is pretty much potty trained. He has had an accident this morning, actually. Um, but usually, if it is, it's number two. Number one, he can hit most most of the time. But he's, I don't know if he's scared of the potty or what. But uh, so anyways, I've, I've already dealt with some potty training issues. Obviously not with my twins yet, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I'm your host, Christine Sir Fitzgerald. And I've got uh, twin girls, identical girls who are four years old four and a half, I guess. And um, thankfully, we had a relatively easy potty training experience. Um, and uh, let's see, I also have a singleton who is now 15 months old. Um, so I'm thinking about breaking out those potty training, those potties maybe in the next few <laughs> months just to see if she'll be interested in sitting on them. <laughs> Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and... 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hey, 
Before we start today's show, let's look at one of the headlines. Um, I think, Shelly, you've got um, a headline in the news yeah, about twins. Yeah, so we try to keep current with what's going on in the latest twin research, twin studies, twin information. And it looks like there's um, kind of been a conclusion in regards to the issue of whether or not homosexuality is genetic. So the most recent information as of um, this past fall, I believe, is that they've done eight major studies of identical twins, and they've all arrived at the same conclusion that there is not a genetic factor. Um, In fact, at best, it's maybe a minor factor. So identical twins um, have the same genes or the same DNA, and they're, you know, kind of nurtured in the same conditions. And so what we would expect to see, according to the study, is that with identical DNA, if you have one twin who is gay, you would expect the other twin to be gay 100% of the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and it turns out, according to the study, they only find it about 10 to 15% of the time. So what research is telling us is that we we really have no idea still. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, but we, we can't really identify a specific genetic factor. So so Lady Gaga was completely wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is that what she said? Born She's this way. Born this oh. way. <laughs> Well, but but I know I know identical twins have the same DNA. But just to play devil's advocate here, that doesn't mean that like they don't you know identical twins don't always look exactly alike, right? And so, I mean, we're not we're not. I act as if I'm a twin, but they're they're not a hundred percent alike. So I know the DNA is the same, but I still feel like there's enough differences. So. I, I mean, I'm I'm not a scientist or whatever. I guess but. the scientists are saying it's not the genes, but what else? Like, yeah, I guess environment. You know, environment. I mean, then yeah. if it's not, you know. But, you know, I have to say, to me, this is always an ongoing question. I mean, you know, I mean, gay or straight, just even from a personality standpoint. I mean, yeah. I look at my girls and they're identical. And but I just see the personality difference. I mean, one is just very right, analytical right. and she's just more reserved. And the other is just very expressive. And I think, OK, well, they've got the same genetics. I mean, they're in the same womb. They're being raised in the yeah. same household. I mean, how do you account for that? And, you know, I, I, I've thought a lot about this, too, in, in terms of what we know now is 100 percent genetically based. And we actually have very few qualities, I think, um, or diseases or disorders that we know are 100% genetic. Things like height seem to be strongly, you know, uh, you know, based on genetics or, or eye color. But other than that, like you said, temperament, personality, uh, interests can be quite varied. So there must be something, you know, either in how the gene expresses itself um, and I'm not a geneticist, of course, but or, or something either prenatal or, or otherwise that that changes the way identical gene information is is expressed. I mean, it's just another example of how little we really do know about how people become people, right? I mean, you have, you know, you have identical twins. It was just one egg and one sperm, and then it turns into two, manifests itself into completely different people, and we really have no... No way of knowing why or how. Yeah. And you know, I think as, as twin parents, I mean, it just really emphasizes the fact that we really can't treat them the same. I mean, it's, right. I think it's so easy to look at, you know, uh, just just twins. I think, OK, they're, they're maybe they're fraternal twins, you know, boy, girl. So, OK, well, you know, they're they're going to be a little bit alike. But I mean, even for identicals, I think that's just saying, hey, we, we cannot assume that they're going to, you know, have the same interests and, and wants and even, you know, behavioral milestones that yeah. it's um, 
um, there's just still some differences in there that we don't know where it comes from. I wonder, too, if sometimes, and maybe this isn't even a cognitive thing, but I wonder sometimes if identicals are searching to be a little bit different from one yeah. another. So yeah. like you were talking about, Christine, your yin to your yang with your girls, they're, they're very different. I wonder how much of that was kind of their choice, you right. know, that right. they wanted to be a little different. You know, and that's something other. that they've done um, research on also, that your experiences shape the experiences that you want to have and reinforcement for that. And so um, a lot of times people really want to enforce differences between, you know, their twins. And so um, if you constantly encourage that one twin who's just a touch more adventurous to be adventurous and offer them more adventurous experiences, it actually kind of affects their pathways and causes them to seek those out. And so, you know, you as as parents, maybe just trying to foster the differences can actually make the differences mm-hmm. bigger sure. between mm-hmm. them. I think that's too where those interesting studies come from twins separated at birth and adopted into different families where you, you at least know to some degree that the environment isn't quite the same. And then how much of a genetic pull is there to certain likes, dislikes, uh, yeah. despite the different environment? Those are interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And, you know, and I think, and, and Shelley, you raised a good point that I think sometimes maybe as parents, we may subconsciously treat them differently. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know like my, one of my girls, um, she was born, everything was fine. The other one was in the NICU just, just for a few hours. So not, not significantly long. I mean, she was fine. But I, I think at a subconscious level, I almost think of her as being maybe more delicate. <laughs> so yeah. I wonder if, yeah. you know, that does yeah. affect the way that I interact sure. with her. Sure. Yeah. sure, I'm sure it does. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today's topic is potty training twins. So we're talking with uh, Dr. Deb Pontello, who's here to give us the scoop on taking on this big daunting task of potty training twins. So thanks for joining us, Dr. Pontello. Thank you. Uh, so I know one of the biggest things, the biggest questions we always hear and twin parents like, okay, how do you know if your twins are ready for this for potty training. Right, right. And I, I think, uh, to your point before, that each twin might be ready at a different time. So I'm going to just go over really briefly some of the readiness signs. And of course, you know, it's not a black and white thing. Um, these are signs to look for. Obviously, the more signs that you see in your child, the more likely he or she is ready. Um, but it's not an all or none thing. And, and one day they might look more ready than the next. <laughs> but in general, that's our kids, you know, um, what we're looking for physiologically, we want to see that a child is able to stay dry for at least two hours so that they have the bladder control to be able to learn the potty training process. Um, We want to see a certain level of our communication or language development such that they can at least comprehend potty words, whatever potty words you choose to use in your house, whether it's pee-pee or wee-wee, that they can understand it and uh, that they can communicate to you. So, and I say communicate as opposed to language, you know, traditionally with, we, we used to like to say, well, children should have the ability to at least with words, um, a single word or a two word combination communicate with you. But there are lots of k- 
kids who have speech language delay who can do that non-verbally um, by pointing or, or showing. Um, but but there should at least be that ability for two-way communication to occur. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, a social factor that is very important but often does not get recognized is that we really want the child to be interested in pleasing you, mom. Um, because if he or she is still in that uh, one-year-old phase of, I want a cookie, I want a drink, get out of my way, I want that ball, uh, there isn't going to be as much social motivation to learn potty training. Because if you think about it, potty training really is a social behavior. Uh, We do it um, not because our body tells us to, but because socially that's the expectation. And so that's where we get the motivation. That's where we want to be like mommy and daddy. It's a social imitative process. Um, So you might see kids starting to pretend with their dollies or pretend things. Um, So if that milestone isn't there, it's going to be a really tough time potty training um, because there's not going to be a lot of internal motivation to potty train. Hmm. So basically they need to be able to acknowledge that mommy and daddy want them to perform and there's, you know, they want to be able to to please and That's right. follow. Okay, yeah. Now, um, we kind of touched it. So, so twins, they're not the same. So right. if only one twin is showing these signs of readiness, both mm-hmm. the, the physical and the, the social aspect. Right. Or, you know, maybe they've got one component, the other twin has the other. Right. What do you, what do, you do? Do you start with one twin? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Don't penalize one because the other one isn't ready and, and, and hold him or her back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and oftentimes when one starts, there's a, that modeling that occurs for the other one where the other one might want to follow suit. So you've got two benefits now. And, you know, I kind of think of it in a way, you know, if you generalize to like a preschool environment where there's six or eight or ten toddlers and they all could be at varying stages of potty training. It's a process. And so, you know, if two or three are ready to go to the restroom with the teacher and the others aren't, does the teacher do that? Absolutely. So mm-hmm. I think the same case at home. Following the lead of your, your child is the best best way to go. So if there, so if we have one ready, so just go through the program and then the other one may just watch, observe, you know, mm-hmm. while you're going through the, the process. Right. Now, is it, I'm just wondering, you know, um, again, kind of talking about these these differences between identicals and fraternals. I mean, is it common to see differences in readiness um, between fraternal twins compared to identical twins or, you know, girl-boy twins? I mean. Well, I think the overall sort of generalized assumption is that girls tend to be slightly ready slightly earlier than boys overall, and that doesn't really pertain to twins per se, but just because girls overall tend to have earlier uh, language milestones and slightly earlier in terms of their social development. Um, but that's a broad sweeping statement and every individual child can be different. And and so too can your twins, even identical twins, as you pointed out, can have vastly different um, uh, developmental trajectories and personality types, which may lend itself well or not well to potty training. And does that also mean, I mean, do parents need to sometimes take a different approach with with kids? Yeah, you know, that's a great question because um, I talk a lot about no one strategy will work the same for each child or even one strategy one month with one child might need to be changed the next month as they develop and mature. So yeah, I think it's important, and and we may talk about this at some point, you know, the personality type of your child and their temperament and what strategies might lend themselves well Mm -hmm. for that particular child. And and yeah, if you have a twin sibling that's not quite the same, something else might work better for him or her. So if you've got, let's just say, you know, 
two two boys and as in Shelley's case mm-hmm. and you know maybe maybe one is very expressive and very you know very active and then maybe the other one is maybe a little bit more more reserved um so uh, the temperament's different, so you might take it. I mean, a different approach to that. Yeah, well, I think what you're what you're doing as a parent is you're really paying attention to your child's cues as much as possible. What interests him or her? What motivates him or her? And what part of the potty train process is is of is exciting? Uh, so for a lot of kids who are m- more reserved and, and a little bit uh, more um, tentative, they might spend more time and might enjoy spending more time in what, in what I would call kind of the early stages of potty training, which is the reading the books about it, the following you to the bathroom or daddy to the bathroom or helping you or helping big brother and sister and kind of in that play mode that, that edu- is educational but not necessarily forcing them to perform. Whereas the child that just volunteers and is excited and wants to do it and you're doing it, I'm doing it, and here I come, they're right out of the gate. Uh, those are the kids that might, you know, <laughs> you know, you kind of have to follow their lead and, and get them right on the potty right away. Um, and, and that might be beneficial to their temperament mm-hmm. and motivational for them. Mm-hmm. So really, so motivation and incentive really has to change depending on, on their ten- temperament. Do you find, I'm just wanting to ask for, to, to both them, Sunny and Shelly, um, do you find that certain motivations work, you know, differently? Do you see some some differences? In- Candy. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I know. <laughs> Dr. Fumtilla is looking at me like, no, no, honey, no. Um, <laughs> no, we, and we're doing this now. My my oldest son, my three-year-old, likes Red Hots, you know, the little candies. He gets five Red Hots if he poops in the potty. And if he doesn't poop in the potty, he doesn't get five Red Hots. And so it's star- it, it's it's working. Like, I don't know if I'm hurting myself in other ways, but um, talk about incentives and stuff candy is candy is <laughs> working for us i you know but other than that you know we, we actually did use a product um to help um kind of get him to know that okay i'm not gonna pee or poo in my diaper anymore i need to go somewhere else and it was a diaper where like a little i call it an alarm but like a little song went off it, it hmm. sensed wetness. Wow. High tech. Yeah, yeah, kind of. And um, it sensed wetness, and then it would play Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. So the idea was that I would sit down, and I would play with my son, and he was like, he, he wasn't quite two and a half yet, but he was kind of right around that age. And... Um, you know, when he when we heard the song, we get all excited, you know, oh, my gosh, the song's playing. And then we would go over to the potty. And even if he didn't have to go anymore, it was still that he associated, you know, the song with the potty and then eventually, you know, going potty with the toilet. So oh. and it only took like a day and a half for that. For oh, that, my gosh. For that. Fast. Again, wow. we're we're, you know, we're three and a half, almost three and a half now. And we're still working on the, the poop. But <laughs> <laughs> the pee was quick. Quick. Oh, that's that is really great. Yeah. Okay, well, uh, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to talk about the actual process of, of potty training and and some of the different components um, that that we might be using. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. 
Welcome back. And today we're talking about potty training twins with uh, Deb Pontello. And our discussion continues as we discuss kind of the, the whole process of, of potty training. So so how do we kind of start out? I mean, knowing, let's just say the twins, they, they, they're both ready, ideally, at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, how do we, is it a phased approach? Um, well, I think, you know, um, a couple things to consider when you say they're ready. Uh, I presume that means you've already been doing some of the pre-stuff, like uh, reading potty books and taking them with you and showing them and talking about it. And now you're feeling like you're ready for them to try. Um, and, and then I would say, you know, um, part of it is really in terms of how much structure that you put in place is really dependent on your child's temperament. And I'll give you just a couple examples just to just sort of make sense of it. <laughs> but, um, you know, some kids are, um, you know, they they're, can be very active, very uh, excited to go, and then they very quickly forget about it and very quickly don't care, and they're busy with other things. So a child like that, you know, you might want to start a more structured approach. So something like, part of your routine right before uh, you leave the house or right before you sit down to eat or right before you go outside or whatever or sometimes kids even like timers you know those kinds of kids really appreciate the structure and the routine oh it's time to go time to go to the potty that means if you're still playing you're doing something fun but you're a really active kid you're not going to be the, the child to sort of learn self-regulation really quick um, you know, having that structure in place can really help you. Uh, that being said, though, not all kids will will uh, like that. And in fact, a lot of kids um, may refuse that and, and may be kind of feeling a lot of pressure. Um, you're, you know, you're telling me to go six, eight times a day. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you were talking about this sort of introverted, shy, um, not so ready to take a big leap child. That's a child where you may want to let them control more and decide and prompt them throughout the day. Do you have to go? Do you want to try? Or I have to go? Do you want to try with me? And you may get a yes sometimes or a no other times. Mm -hmm. um, and just sort of saying, okay, looks like you're not ready to go now. I'm sure you'll try again later. And for that child, that kind of approach might help a little mm -hmm. bit. Mm -hmm. um, so again, you know, I think, and then of course we, we could spend hours on, do I go to straight to undies? Do I mm -hmm. use something like what you just talked about, Sunny, or uh, to help a child learn their cues? You know, I think, you know, the first thing we, we, we focus on is really just the success of, um, you know, putting pee or poo in the potty, but then what comes after that is really the recognition of the body cues. Mm -hmm. You know, there are a lot of kids who've who figured out, okay, when I need to feel the wee-wee coming, I need to get myself to the potty, but that's a whole other ball of wax from being three and in a preschool environment and being really excited and playing outside and saying, hang on, I also need to pay attention to my body, and I also need to decide that going to the potty is more important than going down the slide right now. And that's a mm, whole that's a other decision. <laughs> yes. Decision-making, judgment, priorities, motivation, well... Oh, well. <laughs> I don't know if we're quite there yet with my That's kind of, yeah. you know, I consider that, you know, advanced. You kind of think of a beginning, you know, potty training isn't black and white. It's, it's a bunch of shades of gray. And towards the later stages, you get into how do you make good decisions? How do you pay attention to your body cues when you're busy doing something exciting? How do you even leave, you know, what, what about when you're in a park or a restaurant or an airplane, you know, for that child that needs routine and sameness? It's not my potty. It's a foreign potty. That can be a whole other thing so to address. In terms of like main, I mean, I know there's a million different ways and whatever, but um, so my husband and I, we work opposite schedules um, so that the boys aren't in daycare. But that means one dad, two boys home all day and then one mom two boys home all evening so what I mean what would you say that we would 
what should we get to just start, you know, like, should we get the same book that dad reads and I read? Should we get two little potties? Should we get something? I mean, where, yeah, I mean, o- you know, over here, I'm, we're at stage zero. So what's right. just the, the first step you would say somebody should take? Well, yeah, I think the very first step would be to uh, figure out what equipment you're going to use. So, you know, if you have little potties, you know, some of them are, are the ones that children like because they can get on and off themselves versus some kids really like the seats that you put down on the toilet. Now, see that, I'm thinking my kids always go to the bathroom at the same time. It, okay. I don't know if it's an identical thing or if my kids are weird, but if one has a, a dirty diaper, That's the other has a dirty diaper. Oh. I mean, like, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> wow. nine, nine times out of ten. So You don't awesome. have to guess. <laughs> so, so I'm thinking, you know, I'm not going to send one to a bathroom by himself. <laughs> so And I don't have two toilets per bathroom. I mean, that'd be great. Uh, so two potties <laughs> so. would be in your case. Yeah. So, yeah, and then have them make it their own. Give them their own stickers to decorate it or you know, something to make it special and unique for them. Um, and I usually say, you know, have them pick out, you know, take them to the bookstore or something and have them pick out, you know, an Elmo potty book or something that they like or enjoy that's there. Oh, we love there. that. The yeah. sounds, yes. Yeah, the sounds <laughs> one is huge. And, uh, and, and then, yeah, and then I would talk to Dad about what the routine is going to be. So, for example, do you, you know, you, do you ask them if, if they want to sit? And if so, what do you do when they're sitting? Um, I brought this little, you can't see it, but I'll just describe it to you, um, a little picture um, schedule that I made, which basically is four squares, uh, and each one has a little picture drawn in each square, and it's to sort of get the child thinking about what is the routine I do when I go to the bathroom. And in the first square, I have like a little uh, trigger, and this is, in this case, for this particular child, it was an alarm, a little uh, bell that went off, and everyone ran to the bathroom, but it doesn't have to be. Um, In your house, it might be when mommy goes to the bathroom, everybody goes. And then number two, we have like a little picture of a book, and so kids are very visual. They like to see what's coming next. And number three, um, you know, obviously after you sit and read the book, uh, wash hands. And, and this little guy liked to sing a little washing hands song. So we have a little picture of a little face ah. singing a song. And then at the end, uh, a little picture here in the fourth square of sticker time or in Sunny's case, Red Hots. Uh, <laughs> and it just, it's, it's, you know, you may not stick to the schedule initially, but in, in, in a toddler's mind, it gives a sense of predictability, mm-hmm. routine, consistency, and control that you and your husband can both follow. Mm-hmm. If you're not home at the same time, it doesn't matter who's there or the nanny. It's just always the same. It's very safe and comforting, and it's, it's part of the learning process. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it sounds like, I mean, this learning process, I mean, it really does involve a lot of, of steps. I mean, you've got these physical components, and then you've got okay. I've got. I need to anticipate. Here's yeah. the next step in this. Mm-hmm. I, I would think this this would take a long time to, to do this. Now, I mean, we hear about these potty training boot camps. Mm-hmm. Um, what what's your thoughts on that? Well, you know, it's funny. Um, it's a question that comes up almost every potty training tour <laughs> I've ever given. Does it work? Does it work? And you know, I think you know, it it does work. Uh, Certainly in the short term, I think a lot of kids, you know, if you have time to take three days off work and do nothing but, you know, work on potty training like a drill sergeant, uh, it, it probably will work, although the longevity of it, I'm not sure. Because um, as you mentioned, you know, it's it's not just about physiologically learning how to uh, self-monitor 
um, and, and, and get your body to do what you need it to do. But, but when you get out into the real world and you come back into preschool and daily life and siblings and family dynamics, there's a lot of social emotional factors that can play a role as to whether a child truly um, is ready for all, all that independence and responsibility or not. So you think so in these boot camps, they may get the, the physiological part of it, mm-hmm. but they, the other aspects may not have sort of settled in. Right. Okay. Right. Right. I mean, for example, I just got an email from uh, someone on my blog um, yesterday who's who actually I think did, I don't know if they called it boot camp, but there was a clear indication the child had been potty trained successfully for quite some time, and now at age three and a half or four, was deciding pooping on the rug was a great idea. Oh, you know, oh. and it's just you know what what you know. So who could have predicted that? Um, being a successful potty training, we're done, wipe the hands and move on. So, you know, there are other factors. Definitely. <laughs> now, um, as far as rewards go, I think we kind of touched on earlier, Sunny's got the red hots going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are your thoughts on rewards in candy? Is, is that positive, um, you know, using candy as an example, or, or is that negative? Or I think, you know, it can be positive, I think, for two reasons. One is... Um, when a child isn't motivated internally to do what's expected of them, it is important to show them from a social perspective what makes mom or dad happy or what mom and dad's expre- you know, emotional f- consequences are. So, for example, if this child that's four that decides pooping on the rug is a good idea, there needs to be a clear signal that this is what we're expected and this is what you know, this is just what the family does and what adults do, and and this is what I do to show you that I'm proud of you. So I think it can be good where you get into a little bit of uh, the danger zone is when parents are are really toilet training pretty heavily a young child that may be not ready for it, and so what they're stuck in now is this bribery Mm -hmm. uh, where the child's not really wanting to go, they're resistant, or they're at the very least inconsistent, and the mom is racking her brain, well, well, I gave him stickers, then he didn't want that, now I'm looking for M&Ms, now he doesn't want that, and, and the prizes just keep getting bigger and grander, and it's really clear that the child's So they're only the doing it, the only, only reason that they're doing it is to get that right reward. And really, candy. I mean, the way I think of, of, of prizes and stickers is, is kind of much like uh, winning a contest or winning, um, you know, gymnastics trophy. You win the gymnastics competition because you want to have the honor of having the first prize and that motivation comes from inside you you really aren't doing it to get that little trophy although the trophy is a symbol of your accomplishment so for a child the sticker chart is a symbol for them to for them to refer to hey look what i did i feel good about me i earned that and that is something that i did because of me but they shouldn't really be working to get that one thing when everything else is really not, you know, not important to them. Right. That's that's kind of how I think about it. I, I like that idea mm-hmm. of having a chart where there's the kind of a visual representation. Like, wow, look at all those, you know, stars you or the stickers that you got right. um, for sort of a this this progress that you're making, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. Now, I know I, I personally, we, we did, we use candy as well. We use jelly bellies. <laughs> <laughs> jelly bellies. Yes. <laughs> I think our, our reward was if they sat if they sat down at all they got a jelly belly and if mm-hmm. they peed they got two and then right. the poo poo eventually got to three three jelly bellies and Ooh. <laughs> 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 but that that worked for us um, now, you know I I observed and with my girls um, you know they would they would sit down and it was a very 
Oh, gosh. I, I think we can say that this is probably why girls like to go to the, you know, the restroom together, you know, in their school years. Um, it, it all starts at home. <laughs> I mean, my girls, they love to just sit down. They were in their li- two little potties in, in the bathroom, and it was a social time completely. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, how does that, you know, factor in? I mean, especially, you know, when we're talking about twins, the, the, the social aspect of um, is it cooperative? I mean, can you also use competition, you know, friendly competition in encouraging um, the training? I might I might change the word competition to modeling mm-hmm. uh, behavior just because I think the word competition may imply, you know, one, one child wins, the other loses. And, of course, you never want to get into that uh, because for obvious reasons, it would just make the other child not feel very good, uh, especially if they're truly not as ready. Um, and... Whereas I think modeling can be okay. You know, it's accepted that one child isn't ready or not wanting to go. But it's also, we might need to accompany, you know, for example, if we're in a mall, we might need to accompany the other twin to the bathroom because she wants to try. And good for her, and she gets her sticker, and we're proud of her. And when you're ready, you'll be, we'll be proud of you too. Um, that can be just a healthy um, social modeling experience. Because like I said, potty training is a social learning process. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, as far as the process is concerned, I mean, how much time, you know, should parents plan on, um, you know, really, you know, committing to this? I mean, are we talking days, weeks, months? Um? <laughs> well, there are those potty training geniuses who, for whatever reason, at 24 months, it took them, uh, you know, a couple of weeks. So those are the vast, vast minority, I think. I think the majority of families find that from the educational phase of starting to talk about it and read about it to actual completion done is anywhere between six and 15 months. And I think that the the families that spend towards the tail end of that 15 months are families that start with fewer of these readiness signs. Um, So actually, the more ready your child is, the quicker it should go. That's what, yeah, I think, I, I know in our case, it did go pretty quickly. We we did start um, at around 18 months, just having them sit on the potty. And they were into, um, they're daytime trained by, by um, two years old. So, mm-hmm. yay. <laughs> <laughs> That's exciting. It was wonderful. Um, how about Sunny in, in your experience with, with boys? I'm sure yeah. very different experience. Yeah, yeah. and I'm kind of debating on what to do with my um, 21-month-old because, you know, he likes to imitate his brother a lot. So he's usually in the potty room and in the bathroom with us um, when my older son is going potty. So he's seeing this a lot. And he's he looks inquisitive. I mean, I think he does. And so I've mentioned, I actually mentioned my husband before the twins were born. I'm like, maybe we should really, you know, at about the 18-month mark, maybe we should try and see if Urban's ready to be potty trained. He's like, well, Sayer didn't do it until this time. And I'm like, well, that's true. But, and, and it did kind of, we were actually having a discussion about diapers and the cost of diapers and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> that's you know, a big twins. Oh, my Seriously. <laughs> and so, um I said, well, one thing that will help is getting one out of diapers, you know, and then we can just diaper the the twins. Um, And so I I have the same potty training diapers I was referring to before, the ones with the alarm. They are sitting there. (laughs) They just stare at me every time I go to get a regular diaper. Because just one of those things that, you know, um, obviously the twins are still really young and we're still trying to figure out what it's like to be a family of six, you know, two parents and four kids. And so um, it's it's one of those things that I keep thinking I'm going to do because I think he has more of an interest. Mm-hmm. Um, but 
I just haven't done it yet. Well, you know what? <laughs> Here's the thing. Just to make you feel better, I, 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 you know, and I've got two children. I've got a six and a half year old daughter and a two and a half year old son who's right in the thick of it. I, I kind of, uh, you know, I don't think of it as doing it or not doing it, you know, um, or, or you're on or you're off. I kind of feel like if he's going with his older brother, brother, Greg, yeah, yeah, and he's watching, he's already doing it. Yeah. So you know, whether you decide to stick a little potty in there that's just his uh you know maybe stage two of five so he's already in the process and you know you might pull out the alarm diapers one day and not the next if he doesn't you know seem ready for that but he's he's in it right he's in it so there is shouldn't be any um, so we should count that i mean that they're watching they're observing it's maybe more passive but they Mm -hmm. are Engaging within the, the, the process good, because mine won't let me go to the bathroom alone <laughs> <laughs> ever. That's great. <laughs> yeah, so they definitely they come in with me every time I go to the bathroom, which um, I don't know if I mentioned earlier, but I'm nine weeks pregnant, so it's every five oh minutes. Oh my god! I go to the bathroom, <laughs> wow. but uh, that's what was my concern. The boys are going to be twenty five months when we have this, you know, so just turned two, and so my concern is: do we start now and try to set a lot of examples, or do we just say? our whole life is about to turn upside down and let's just table it until, you know, we're sleeping again. I mean, I think you, you know, what do you do with an, another sibling on the way? I think you still proceed as if another sibling were not on the way. So you follow the, their readiness signs and their interest and their motivation and think of it as a process from stage, stage zero to six or zero to five and follow them along. Expect some regression probably or some just stalling completely when the baby comes or lack of interest or having mastered something and then totally deciding not to go with it and wanting a diaper back again or, you know, all sorts of funny things can happen. But then within a couple of months, you know, they should be able to go right back to where wherever they were before the baby came. Yeah. And then my other question is, so we cloth diaper. Um, so we don't, you know, I know there's like switch switching straight to underwear or to, to trainers or nighttime. I mean, what is the gear different? I mean, I don't know how we, you know, like, do you have the pull-ups or nighttime? I mean, what's the what's the transition there? Well, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I mean, I think every parent will have a different story to tell you about work for their child because I think that, you know, some kids, t- going back to what we were talking about temperament, um, they really need to feel wet in order for that process to, to, to take place. So for some kids, going to underwear straight away is a necessity. And, and you know, we happen to live in a warm climate where we can send kids outside and do that. Uh, For other kids that might be a little bit more anxious or not ready, the feeling of being wet is just too much, especially if they're having, you know, several accidents the first time. They want the safety of the diaper, the safety of the pull-up, and and just want to try at their own pace to go potty. So I don't know that there's a black and white, you know, in order to potty train, you need to do X. I think you probably need to have some trial and error and see what your child's interest is. And if you feel that something is just not clicking, change your tack. You know, if pull-ups are just, you know, they're absorbing too much, he could care less that his pull-up is wet. Right. Maybe switch to that alarm diaper or or underwear. Um, And if you have a child in underwear and he just keeps wetting himself over and over again and you're doing 15 loads of laundry, (laughs) maybe... Go back to pull-ups and just try to help him recognize his body cues better. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And it, it sounds like we've got a lot of um, two steps forward and maybe one step back. It's not <laughs> always a continuous movement forward. Yes, so yes. Um, like, we're going to talk about that um, in our bonus content a little bit. Um, so right now we're going to say, you know, thanks so much, Deb, for, for joining us today. And for more information about potty training twins or more information about any of our experts or panelists, 
Um, visit our episode page on our website. Now, so this conversation continues for members of our Twin Talks Club. And after the show, uh, Deborah will give us some tips for dealing with toddlers who resist training. <laughs> so for more information about the Twin Talks Club, visit our website, twintalks.com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Here's a question posted on our Facebook page from one of our listeners. It comes from Danielle in Oregon. Danielle says, I'm in my third trimester, pregnant with identical twin boys. We have two children already, ages 3 and 18 months, both boys as well. I'm a little concerned that our older boys are going to be jealous of all the attention our twins will receive, especially since they are the same gender and easier to compare. Do you have any ideas on how to reduce jealousy or sibling rivalry between twins and singletons? Well, hey, Danielle. This is Natalie Diaz from Twiniversity, Multiplicity Magazine, and the author of What to Do When You're Having Two. First of all, God bless you, chick. Four boys under the age of three, you deserve definitely a special medal. So I think we should make you a trophy. I'm going to uh, suggest that to the team at New Mommy Media that perhaps we should start making trophies for people like you. But it's great. I don't want you to be too, too nervous. The good news is is that it's all boys, so you're going to save quite a bit of money on toys. So just get them a bunch of footballs and some trucks and maybe a random doll here or there and you're going to be okay. But I hear you. You know, it's it's always an issue with sibling rivalry and making sure that your twins and, and your other boys feel like they're getting enough mommy time. One of the best tips that I could give you is choose a day. Choose a day, whether each week, each month, each year, whatever you could do, and just give a child one whole day. So in our home, because we have the twins, we do it by week. So every week, one kid gets to have a day. And it's not like we're excluding everybody else from the family. We're just having that person make a little bit more choices than usual. So what do you want for breakfast? Where do you want to go today? If you can, start, you know, start spending more time with one child. We have a golden rule at Twiniversity, and it is never leave the house without a child. So if you have to go to the post office, if you have to run to the grocery store, take one kid with you. Having one kid with you is going to be exponentially easier than taking your entire brood of boys with you to a grocery store. So you may want to start thinking about how could I spend time with one kid. And really, don't worry about being equal. I know that that sounds horrible, and I'm not saying that all your boys shouldn't have the same amount of time, but I am just trying to say be fair. Be fair. You know, if you spend time with this one kid today, try to do that for the next one tomorrow. But don't get overwhelmed and don't focus too much on one-on-one time with each kid. Just really be the best mommy that you can and just try to, try to do the best that you can. But I, I wouldn't stress too much. I am just so envious because the love that you're going to feel for those boys, you have no idea how many hugs and kisses are in your future, and I'm jealous. I love my little dude so much that I can't even begin to tell you. So I I am envious of your situation where, as the majority of people will probably say, oh, my God, four boys? I'm saying four boys. God bless you, chick. You're one of the luckiest people I know. So good luck. 
That wraps up our show for today. We appreciate you listening to Twin Talks. Join in on the discussion by posting your comments on the Twin Talks Facebook page or by calling our voicemail. It's at 619-866-4775. Don't forget to check out our sister shows. Preggy Pals, it's for expecting parents. We have the boob group for moms who breastfeed their babies. And there's Parent Savers. It's an online support group for new parents. And next week, we're going to be talking about speech and language development. This is Twin Talks Parenting Times 2. This has been a new mommy media production. The information and material contained in this episode are presented for educational purposes only. Statements and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily those of new mommy media and should not be considered facts. While such information and materials are believed to be accurate, it is not intended to replace or substitute for professional medical advice or care and should not be used for diagnosing or treating health care problem or disease or prescribing any medication. If you have questions or concerns regarding your physical or mental health or the health of your baby, Please seek assistance from a qualified healthcare provider. New Mommy Media is expanding our lineup of shows for new and expecting parents. If you have an idea for a new series, or if you're a business or organization interested in joining our network of shows through a co-branded podcast, visit newmommymedia.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, mamas. Don't forget to check out Mighty Moms. It's our online community built for new moms just like you. Not only can you connect with other moms, but you can also join us backstage for special mom-only online events. And you'll also be notified when we're recording so you can join us as a special guest. Visit our website, newmommymedia.com, and click on the Mighty Moms banner. It's free. That's newmommymedia.com. See you there.